0: This is the Oanda Podcast, brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast with me, Johnny Hart. Each week we preview and review all the big business and market stories with an Oanda Senior Market Analyst. And this week it is Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. How are you doing?
1: I'm really good, mate. How are you?
0: Not bad, although this coronavirus has totally dominated the agenda this week. And I was thinking, just a few weeks ago, we were pondering what unexpected events like this can do to markets. At the beginning of the year, if you can cast your mind back, it seems like a long time ago already, there was the dispute between the US and Iran. That was a concern. That really pales into insignificance. With the current trauma it's amazing how quickly something like this can take hold of markets and really spook them
1: yeah it has but i mean i guess this is in many ways far more substantial because what we're talking about here is global supply chain disruption and that has massive implications for businesses it has massive implications for businesses in ways that we don't quite understand yet And i think that's one of the scariest things from a purely business perspective it also has the ability to take businesses which are otherwise healthy enough and not on the verge of going bust and tip them into that direction uh, obviously this week uh, we've seen Flybe, for example go into administration now this is a a company that was on the verge of going bust ultimately was being saved by the government and by various deals and this has just tipped it over the edge it was the final nail in the coffin So this is the first business casualty of the coronavirus, and I'm sure there there is going to be more, others which wouldn't have been a risk had it not been for this. People are already talking about, is this the first of many airlines to go? Because that has been one of the industries far more heavily impacted to this date by the spread of coronavirus. And let's be honest, if we start seeing more and more cases popping up, people are just going to fly less, it's inevitable.
0: The coronavirus is a very good example of just how vulnerable we all are, really. and you mentioned flyby. It's a kind of Darwinism that could take hold, the survival of the fittest, really, isn't it? Just as in, in a sense of health terms, uh, medical, very sadly, this virus is attacking the elderly rather than the the young. And in fact, um, I, I read a statistic that no, no child under 10 has died in the whole world uh, so far from this virus. You're seeing companies which, as you said, like Flybe, who are vulnerable, who aren't particularly healthy, and it just needs something like this to tip them over the edge.
1: Well, this is the thing. It's never going to be one thing that completely tips a company uh, over the edge. It's always going to be the final straw that breaks the camel's back. In Flybe's case, this was it. I mean, it could have come earlier, of course, but there is going to be other companies who wouldn't have even been at risk of administration or not a serious risk of administration had it not been for uh, the coronavirus. And Like I say, we're focusing on airlines at a minute because they are very much at the forefront. They are in the headlines, but there are going to be many other industries, many other businesses where we are going to be having similar conversations, which is why the responses from the other authorities is going to be so important. We've had big responses already this week. We had the G7 meeting of finance ministers and central bankers earlier this week. That yielded a quite open statement, which actually disappointed people on Tuesday. We had a market rally on Monday. We had a negative markets on Tuesday. On the back of that statement, it seemed a bit empty words. The action that followed actually has suggested quite the alternative. We've had 50 billion in funding committed by the IMF, particularly for the more developing economies. We've had 12 billion in funding committed by the world bank we've had an interest rate cut of 50 basis points out of meeting from the federal reserve we've had a 50 basis point rate cut from the bank of canada we've had a 25 basis point cut by the reserve bank of australia and we've had rate cuts as well in other parts of the world also to try and support we've had fiscal measures being announced in various countries over the last couple of weeks and i think there's going to be plenty more to come Already now the focus is on the upcoming meetings of the Bank of England, the ECB, the Federal Reserve again. So the Fed has cut by 50 basis points in an off-meeting decision, but they've almost fully priced in for another 50 basis point cut in two weeks when they meet again and uh, and further cuts further down the line and obviously then more quantitative easing. Uh, US 10-year treasuries are now yielding record lows around 0.8%, well below actually where they were yielding before. So they've smashed through uh, the previous floor. And it's all on the expectation that central banks are just going to have to go into record territory, have to go into uncharted territory once again in order to provide some stability. But this isn't even going to stabilize the economy. This is just going to stabilize the markets. It's going to aid the economy because naturally during periods like this, you do get credit squeezes where uh, the cost of credit just spikes for reasons that are... in many ways makes sense. So the, one of the ways the central banks can affect that is by uh, reducing credit cost. But then we have to make sure that the credit is getting to the companies that need it. So cash flow problems. And that's where the government and fiscal efforts and the combined efforts of the central banks and the governments are going to be incredibly important and where the IMF and where the World Bank, etc., are going to continue to be uh, incredibly important as well as many others. We're kind of learning as we go on this because this has got so much worse than anyone really initially anticipated. So
0: yeah, it's, we it's are... unprecedented really isn't it? I mean certainly in in my lifetime, but I mean if you look back at the crises we've had over the years, of course, the GFC uh, but you know oil crisis in the 1970s but there's never been anything quite like this before 9/11 would be a mm. good example of a sudden event which can shock the world, but we recovered from that within a few months even the global financial crisis. I mean, it's taken us a long time to actually get back to where we were. In fact, we were only a few weeks ago, he we was saying that earnings in this country have finally reached the level they were mm-hmm. way back when in 2008, 2009. But this is unheard of. And as you said, we're kind of making it up as we go along.
1: It's just that it's also so different as well, right? I mean, Mm. it's the fact that you're giving events here that have shocked the markets, shocked the economy, shocked business, shocked people, but in different ways. And this has shocked people in a completely different way. Again, people compare it to SARS, but it's far worse than SARS. Um, It's far more widespread. It is a a global pandemic. I'm not even sure if it's been defined as that yet, but I mean, I think it's safe to say that most people are in agreement now that this is a global pandemic. it's,
0: it's a smaller world as well. I mean, we were talking about SARS in relation to China a couple of weeks ago, and the fact that at that point, China wasn't such a big proportion of global trade. But you could also say that because of social media, the paranoia, the worries, the mm-hmm. concerns, they spread much quicker. And this is a self-fulfilling prophecy, perhaps, as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I think you're looking at a situation now where, so the government has to almost overhype it overplay it because they want people to take this
0: seriously Are we they, doing that in this country though? I I, 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 think I, I, they I don't are. get the feeling that the conservative government thus far has gone as far as it could. I mean, maybe quite wisely, really, because as I said, it is a bit of a self-filling prophecy. But some people are criticising them, saying they're not doing enough at this stage, and they're just managing the situation rather than, say, banning flights or banning big events. They'll be, uh, obviously, have a watchful eye on, on how things are going in the next few days. But going back to the economy, as you've mentioned, the US interest rates are down. Some of the other central banks have reduced theirs. What will happen next week with Mark Carney?
1: so next week obviously we have the budget uh, in the UK and you wonder whether the Bank of England is currently in talks with the Treasury and trying to Mark Carney mentioned yesterday that he wants the measures that are implemented by the Bank of England and the Treasury to be complementary uh, so you wonder how, how many discussions are happening with between the Treasury and the Bank of England right now in terms oh, Are of we ensuring talking about that, an
0: emergency cut? Uh, and no it's not
1: I, I don't think we can look at cuts because cuts isn't the, the be all and end all it's about creating liquidity for the markets. it's about ensuring there's not a credit squeeze a credit crunch suddenly because we've got recent evidence of where that can become quite catastrophic. So the Bank of England could do a lot more than just cut interest rates. It can ensure that cash does flow to the areas that it's needed in order to keep healthy companies uh, afloat. Uh, and the Treasury is going to have to make efforts on that side as well. So I wonder whether next week we are going to see more from both sides on this because the Bank of England has lagged the other central banks. Of course, it helps when you have a meeting prepared this week. I think the Fed's decision to do it out of meeting wasn't maybe necessary per se because they do have a meeting in two weeks time. You, They could have waited. But I think it did send a strong message, exactly. And the fact that they are the global central bank, effectively, they are the central bank of the world's reserve currency, that many uh, central banks around the world, many businesses around the world, they they are still impacted, ultimately, by the decisions of the Federal Reserve. So for them to come out early and send a very strong message to the markets, try and loosen credit conditions, etc., I do think that was an important message that other central banks don't necessarily need to follow. So the fact that we've had it from other central banks this week is just because there has been meetings. Next week, we have the ECB. You wonder what exactly they can do. Maybe they'll look at some targeted measures to announce because they don't want to be almost seen to be taking this taking this too lightly and being left behind other central banks uh, the bank of england again we may see an outer meeting one next week depending on how uh, there is discussions occurring uh, with the treasury as well but i think the, the the response has been decent so far i know you say that we can Criticise the government because they haven't done enough. And I was actually being critical. Or oh, people of the have criticised yeah, them, yeah. but I mean, I I understand that point of view. But we also don't want to overplay this. We're, we're still in I think what double digits in terms of the number of cases here in the UK. We're not at a catastrophic level. That doesn't mean I don't think it's going to get much worse. It, of course, it, it is going to get much yeah. worse. It's Tri- going to be triple
0: digits at yeah, the moment.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe early yeah. early triple digits. Yeah, then. but I mean, Italy is not necessarily cancelling sporting events or events. They are. Doing & behind closed doors make taking these kind of measures because they've got so many more cases and it is a bigger problem already all there all schools
0: closed think, down in Italy exactly I mean, it,
1: but I don't think we do yeah. need those type of measures here in the UK yet because I don't think it's bad enough and I think to enact extreme measures before the situation justifies it I think that just spreads panic so you want to find this balancing opportunity ensuring that people are taking this seriously washing their hands using the gels looking after themselves making sure that they are doing everything they can sending that message to ensure that that message gets across that is what is needed right now whereas when you start spreading panic then things do become self-fulfilling yes you know if less people are getting on the tube there probably is less chance of a spread if people are hugging less touching less all of this then there probably is less chance of a spread but then if people are also going to the shops less because they're afraid and if people are getting the tube less because they're afraid and if people are not going about their ordinary lives because they're afraid of something that is not worth being afraid of at this moment in time then what you're effectively going to do is grind this economy to a halt and people are going to start losing their jobs and then you've got to weigh up what's worse is it a few extra cases, or is it a UK or global recession because we've caused people to unnecessarily panic about something which doesn't warrant it at this moment in time? We've got to remember, there is, what, around 70,000, 80,000 cases in uh, in Wuhan in China. China is an economy of, what, uh, I think I checked this morning, something like 1.38 billion people. These are not nice numbers, uh, and I'm not saying that the, the numbers are, anything, are, are in any way okay, but We've got to have a little bit of perspective as well at the same time. When you're criticising the government for not cancelling flights, for not doing this, that, and the other, I do think we do need to, uh, to take a step back a bit. But then, they, they, as I started this by saying, it's about finding the right balance between making sure people are taking this seriously and not causing unnecessary panic.
0: And I totally agree with you. You're absolutely right. More harm can come from the collapse of economies, as you said, people's livelihoods, the revenue that governments need to to operate public services, they're already under threat. And actually, oddly, more people could die from the economic effects of this phenomena than the virus itself.
1: These are the type of things that... I always find it difficult to talk about these types of things because when you're talking about the economic consequences of something which is yeah. which is infecting people. people and killing people, it yeah. feels incredibly insensitive. But unfortunately, like, this is just part of our job. When we're talking about markets, when we're talking about businesses, these are the angles which we have to talk about. So it's always very difficult.
0: What I was just saying was, if the economy does particularly badly globally, then more people are under threat because suddenly... You can't operate your health systems, and more people can die from something else.
1: So, what we need is, is sensible measures rather yeah. than panic measures, uh, ultimately. Don't be wrong, this is likely to get worse. We're looking at the markets today now. We've got Europe is down three and a half, one and a half percent at this moment yeah. in time. The US is heading for another bad day. This has actually just been an extremely volatile week because we had Monday, which was a good day. Tuesday was a bad day. Wednesday was a good day. Thursday was a bad day, and today is a bad day. The week itself is a bit flat. Uh, we're we're yeah. around the same levels. So we opened out at the start of the week. So, broadly speaking, there's just been a lot of volatility and some massive swings. Yes, last week was the bad week. Next week could be another bad be another bad week again. But I do feel like the measures that are being imposed by the various authorities is being, t- is being heeded by investors. And that's why we have seen a little bit more stability in the markets this week.
0: Okay, let's talk about next week's budget. You alluded to it a little bit earlier. I wonder how much the coronavirus has put pay to much of Rishi Sunak's plans. I mean, obviously he was hoping to announce the levelling out a little bit of UK plc by giving more money to the regions he'll want to do something won't he but it's going to have to be piecemeal because he doesn't know how much money he can play with because of what's going on at the moment
1: yeah and i think people are already skeptical about just how um, just how bold it's going to be because he's only just taken the role as chancellor because they've already announced effectively that it's going to be a bit scattered throughout the year the the announcements uh, and now you've got the added complication of is he going to announce things that are just targeted towards uh, alleviating some of the stresses caused by uh, the, the the coronavirus itself so it is going to be interesting but I, I wonder how ambitious it's necessarily going to be uh under the circumstances again it, it's it's always really difficult to say with these types of things it could end up being a bit of a non-event and i think the problem that we have with something like this is all the focus is still on coronavirus anything else any other measures that had been planned two months ago which seemed important to the treasury and to the government two months ago they may just have to be put on the back burner because people may just not view them in the same manner now
0: OPEC announced that it's uh, agreeing production cuts of uh, 1.5 million barrels per day from the beginning of next month until the end of the year. We're not that surprised by that.
1: This deal hasn't necessarily been confirmed, I don't think, at the point of recording. It has to be recording. agreed by Russia, It has right? to be agreed by Russia, and yeah. this is where the problem arises because Russia has so far been opposed... Uh, To it, so for example, I'm reading a headline from half an hour ago here saying a high-level source tells Reuters that Moscow only agrees to extend existing cuts uh, with no extra cuts, and his position won't change. It's difficult to say. I don't know if they just think this is a lot of volatility at the moment, or if they are genuinely concerned about cutting production in order to try and support oil prices, and then the U.S. just continuing to up its game and take increasing market shares because that's effectively what's happened with the shale industry up until this point. It is a confusing view, though. If that is the case, then I think oil prices could come under pressure because even if OPEC agrees it without Russia, Saudi Arabia just takes on the bulk of the cuts, and they announce 1.2 rather than 1.5. That may not be enough to put a floor uh, under the oil price at this moment in time where it currently is because I think Russia being on board sends a strong uh, symbolic message. The other factor may be in this that Russia's just playing hardball and they'll ultimately agree to a deal at the end. By the time people are listening to this they'll probably know what the actual answer to this is but they could just be playing hardball to try and reduce the amount that they have to shoulder as part of this deal and that Saudi will add one extra little uh, sweetener to get Russia on board.
0: Before I let you go anything more you want to preview ahead of next week?
1: Well obviously we had the 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 democratic campaign this week.
0: Markets probably like the idea of a Biden candidacy rather than a Sanders.
1: Yeah, they they did. We did see a bit of a rebound, although it's sometimes hard to attribute directly to just one thing when there's so much it seems going on. But I think this is the most market-friendly outcome. Um, I, I was genuinely surprised just how bad Mike Bloomberg did in all of this, having spent half a billion dollars, being such a, a data fanatic. I heard a couple of days ago, yesterday, I think it was that he's um, he's made net three billion this year, or he's forecast to make three billion this year. So that's only yeah. pocket change on his, this year's earnings, let alone. And he says um, he's going to support. Biden. Fortune. And now he's going to support Biden. So ultimately, it's an even better result for Biden because it means he's got all the resources again. It's been an incredible week and an unexpectedly good week for uh, Joe Biden, We're now it seems down to two with uh, just being Biden and Sanders uh, to take on... Uh, to take on uh, Donald Trump at the end of this year. And it, it's going to be a close fought race. I think Biden is going to be the favourite at this point, particularly with uh, Bloomberg's financial backing. Uh, but, yeah, it was quite an incredible result uh, earlier on this week on Tuesday. Uh, and I'm sure Donald Trump's going to be watching it keenly, but I think the markets have kind of got the best result that they could have hoped for.
0: Craig, I know we have to lose you now, but thank you very much for joining us today. And, uh, well, look forward to next week. It could be another dramatic week ahead. Cheers, Johnny.